Welcome to Watchmen on the Wall, a daily outreach of Southwest Radio Ministries and SWRC.com. Thank you for being here. Today, we travel to Great Britain to visit with journalist and author Alan Franklin. Alan will be sharing the latest information on the European Union and how the EU is preparing the world for the end times. As we begin our time together today, I want to encourage all of our new listeners to request your free new listener pack. The new listener pack includes the latest issue of our Prophetic Observer newsletter and a free gift. Request your free new listener pack when you call 1-800-652-1144. That's 1-800-652-1144. And a big thank you to everyone who has already participated in our Meeting the Mission Million Dollar Match. Friends, please know that the amount you give during the match, that's not what's important. What's important is that you participate, that you stand with Watchmen on the Wall and Southwest Radio Ministries. When everyone links arms, when everyone does something, big things happen. So please, participate. Stand with us. Your gift is needed today. Call 1-800-652-1144 and stand with SWRC and Watchmen on the Wall. 1-800-652-1144 or you can give at our website, supportswrc.com. That's supportswrc.com. Thank you. Thank you for helping us meet the mission. The European Union a political and economic union of 27 member states that are located primarily in Europe, is very active in bringing about a pervasive and total one-world system. Alan Franklin is a former newspaper editor in London, England, and he's an astute observer of the European political scene. Most important, he views politics from a biblical perspective and with a thorough understanding of end-times Bible prophecy. Alan is here today to share the latest startling details on what is happening right now within the European Union. Daniel 7, verse 23, is about the fourth kingdom, the Roman Empire, which has now been revived in the European Union, which I believe is the start of the one world government, which shall devour the whole earth. And uh, the actual biblical quote is, uh, thus he said, the fourth beast shall be the fourth kingdom upon earth, which shall be diverse from all kingdoms, and shall devour the whole earth, and shall tread it down, and break it in pieces. People look at the trouble uh, around the world, they look at Ukraine, etc., but my spotlight is on the European Union, where I used to go over. One of the things that we published was a business newspaper, and we had various MEPs used to write columns for us. So I used to get invitations to go over and see the European Union in action in Brussels and Strasbourg. They've got uh, headquarters in Brussels, Belgium, and Strasbourg, France. And I've been to both of them. And the one in Strasbourg has now been uh, rebuilt to look like something from uh, Babylon, actually. But it's going to be the empire ruling at the end of the church age, which we're now almost at. And Antichrist is going to rule from his power base in the European Union. This is one of the two big significant prophetic events of the last few years, the last few decades. Both predicted thousands of years ago, first of all, the revival of the old old Roman Empire and the restoration of the state of Israel, which occurred in, in May 1948, exactly as prophesied. Now, the incredible has happened. The Roman Empire is also back. 
Most of the nation states of Europe, there are now 27 countries in the European Union. And it began, and a lot of people don't even know this, with the Treaty of Rome in 1957. It was held at the Vatican at the invitation of the Pope. And major prophecies in Daniel chapters 2 and 7 indicate that the revived Roman Empire will be the dominant force in the world when our Lord returns. 2,500 years ago, Daniel saw the empire revived from the dead in the end times. Those prophecies are being fulfilled in Europe, where the EU's motto is ever closer union. I'm going to actually sort of tell you something which remarkable, which, which happened here. Something to do with um, the bullring in Birmingham at the inauguration of the Commonwealth Games. We had, I think, 77 nations here. Mostly they were nations which used to be under British rule. And they all came to Birmingham in England to launch the Commonwealth Games. Now, it doesn't sound that, like this would be very occult, does it? It was one of the most occult things I've ever seen in my life. I have absolutely never seen anything like it. I couldn't believe it. Hardly anybody commented on it or spotted it. But of course, my background, among other things, was in the occult. Used to be full-time working for the New Age movement. I was one of the few people, probably, who had three membership cards. I had a membership card for the Spiritualist National Union, a membership card for the Musicians Union, because I was a drummer in a rock band, and a membership card for the National Union of Journalists, because I was also a writer of a magazine. So I had a bit of everything, really, but I can recognize the occult when I see it. They actually wheeled on an enormous great bull. It was worshipped by dancers who bowed in homage with their arms raised, it was, and it was sort of puffing out smoke from its nostrils, paying homage to the great beast. A whole crowd of dancers around it, and I saw the moving film of it. It was absolutely absolutely extraordinary. I've got stills from it when I do a presentation on it. A woman climbed up to ride the bull. Now, that must sound familiar to you, Matthew. The woman riding the beast, as all these people waved and bowed to it. The woman riding it is a spectacular sight, I can assure you. And Mystery Babylon, what is the woman riding the beast? Well, look at the word of God. I saw a woman sit upon a scarlet-colored beast, full of names of blasphemy, having seven heads and ten horns. Upon her forehead was written, Mystery, Babylon the Great, the mother of harlots and abominations of the earth. The seven heads are seven mountains on which the woman sits. That's in Revelation 17, verses 4 to 9. And, of course, Rome sits on seven hills. Probably a coincidence, you know. The statue of the woman riding the beast is actually in Breisach, Germany, where they actually, first of all, got together to talk about uniting the European nations. The woman rides the beast is the name of the sculpture. It's absolutely extraordinary. Two people from our church went over and photographed it and gave me the pictures. And uh, it's right in front of a church. There's the bull rising up out of the ground with the woman riding it, heading straight for the church door. The statue represents, they say, the beginnings of a new Europe. So this is the spiritual nature of Europe. It's the occult effigy on which it is based. The sign on this from the EU says, Europa's hands, feet, and motion symbolize the beginnings of a new Europe. Breisach, where this sculpture stands, is where the earliest discussions took place, leading eventually to the Treaty of Rome that laid the foundations to the EU. And then they've got another plaque, and it says, Europe reaches for the stars. Greek mythology tells of Zeus' transformation into a bull. On his back, he carries the king's daughter, Europa, from the east westwards to the land called after her. 
the myth of Europa and the bull. Well, in Greek mythology, Europa was the beautiful daughter of the king of Tyre in Lebanon. The story goes that Zeus, the main Greek god, desired to have Europa. So he transformed himself into a bull, lured Europa to climb onto his back, and then abducted her, swimming out to sea so she could not escape him. This very sickening story is the basis for the Europa images in the European Union. Guess what? The woman riding the beast is the official symbol of the European Union. Hardly anybody knows this, Matthew. You couldn't make it up. The woman on the beast is on the seal of the EU, on coins of the EU, and I've actually got one I carry around when I give a talk showing the woman riding the beast. It's a Greek two-euro coin. It's on stamps of the EU. It's on murals. It's on sculptures and statues. So can there be any doubt that the European Union has a central role to play in the end times? I've got it in front of me here. The seal of the EU showing the woman and the beast. And here is my coin, the woman riding the beast again. And on a German telephone card, they've got a woman riding the beast. Now, Revelation 17 tells of this mysterious character at the heart of prophecy, a woman who rides the beast. And I've got a stamp here, the election to the European Parliament. The stamp that they chose and the design on it is the woman riding the beast. This was a British stamp, by the way. The prophet Daniel interpreted this vision of world empires. And this final empire, which will be destroyed when the Lord returns, is this restored Roman Empire, the restored Roman Empire, with ten regions of the world supporting it. Now, Bruegel painted the Tower of Babel many years ago. Well, they've now rebuilt the Tower of Babel. 5,000 years ago, this was a type of one-world government. Since then, the world's mainly consisted of individual sovereign nations. So in front of me, I've got an illustration of the original Tower of Babel, a painting by Bruegel. The EU Parliament in, St in Strasbourg, Strasbourg, France, has now modelled its headquarters on the Tower of Babel and is deliberately left unfinished. I've got a wonderful photograph of it, actually. You can see it's clearly modelled on the Tower of Babel. The Tower of Babel, old and new. Now, unity of church and state from Babel to Brussels is the theme. Babylon was a political and civil union of all the inhabitants of the earth. The tower was for false religious purposes. This is the first example of world government and world religion joined as one. Now, I've got a poster, because I used to get all this stuff they used to send me, from the European Union. It shows the Tower of Babel being rebuilt by what looked like robotic slave laborers. That's us, the taxpayers, I should think. And around it, they've got a garland of stars. And their motto on it is, Europe, many tongues, one voice. And the stars intrigue me because they are pentagrams, as in witchcraft. And then <laughs> the people who run the EU are the Council of Ministers. As they go into their offices in Brussels every day, there's a huge statue outside the European Council building. It's called Sculpture 2000, and it's a massive bronze statue, rather hideous, of the woman riding the beast. And, of course... It's again, I, I remind you, it's the apostate church pictured as a prostitute riding the beast in Revelation 17. This is what it is. This is at the heart of Europe. Yeah, <laughs> who is this woman, the, the great whore? Well, two of the final chapters of the, of the Bible are devoted to her. John's vision of her is one of the most remarkable prophecies in the scripture. 
And I've got also a logo of the planned world government with its one faith, interfaith, whore church symbols. The world parliament's been long planned, uh, and the churches are joining together and linking as the whore church. That's going on all the time. The great whore church is taking shape. And the one previous pope held an interfaith peace conference at Assisi, 25 years after Pope John Paul did the same. Everybody was invited, tree huggers, all kinds of weirdos, but not Bible-breathing Christians, of course. Uh, when I when I actually fly out, which I do quite often, what used to be a Christian chapel in Heathrow is now a multi-faith room. And I said, well, signs of the coming Great Hall Church are everywhere. This used to be a Christian chapel in Heathrow, London. And now you can go in there, and I took a picture of it, signs of all the false churches, all the false religions, and I put all flight paths need to lead to God inside the multi-faith prayer room. Goodness knows what they're praying to. And Proverbs 14, verse 12, tells a story. There is a way which seems right to a man, but its end is the way of death. All the false faith, the whore church, it will lead you straight to hell, I'm afraid. So, the woman riding the beast. I used to go over there and... um, I found out that they were looking for a strong leader and so on, and they've been talking about this for a long time. I went out there when they uh, invented the new euro. I think 12 nations joined in first. This was 2001, I believe. And uh, I went out there and uh, watched the debate. And the thing, the European single currency meant that the Deutschmark was abolished, uh, the franc was abolished, the lira was abolished, all the the nations that went into it at first. Now there's 27 nations in it in the EU, but the nations that went in at first. They all abandoned their own currency and went into the euro. It was the first step to a federation, they said. And the German foreign minister, Joschka Fischer, he said, we've got to have a European super state. He said, this coin, this currency is the first step to a federation. Then, this is interesting, he said, he wanted a powerful president and the abolition of the Council of Ministers. He said, this president, the strong man, could be selected with the broad support of the majority of member states with no veto. He said, this is my aim. He said, nothing less than a European Parliament, which does exercise legal and executive power to operate under this powerful president. Blair of Britain, Tony Blair, the former prime minister, he actually, uh, I think he fancied himself for the job, actually, because he joined the call for an EU president some years ago. He seemed to be lining himself up for the job, I thought, at the time. But they now have been removing the sovereign rights of nations, and they control currency and internal and external security. So this is a large part of nationhood, actually. Of course, three years ago, we came out of it. There's still a lot of people campaigning for us to go back into the European Union because uh, I can see that we're still fairly prosperous. We've got uh, quite a big population, about 65. The, the main countries of Europe are Germany. They've got 83 million. France with 65 million. Italy with 60 million. Population of the EU is over 447 million in 27 countries. That's about roughly 100 million more than you've got in America. So I think that you can see it all taking shape there. And you can see that they are looking to the occult. I sort of go in there and uh, watch the debates I used to, and uh, used to be invited over. I never turned it down because it was a free flight. And they always treated the journalists well because they wanted a good press, you see. This is how they do it. They give you a slap-up lunch, and you can talk to anybody you like. And I went over and uh, I, I interviewed Count Otto von Habsburg at one time. He was the head of the House of Habsburg, a very powerful man. And he said that, you know, he wanted uh, a united Europe, and he said that we should actually... Um, go there and be one country and 
that was uh, it started out just very insignificantly with the European Coal and Steel Community. Now it's a mighty empire. And it, I went over there, and um, I couldn't believe that hardly anybody w- was voting against the abandonment of their own currencies, you see, of actually, uh, really about, uh, voting for the abolition of their nation state. Afterwards, I was taken to lunch, slap up lunch, myself and a radio journalist. We went upstairs with six of these MEPs, you see. And I said, you did a very big thing today. You changed the course of history. You know, you created a single currency for Europe. And, oh, yes, you know. And I said, you want a strong leader? Oh, yes. And I said, do you know where this will lead? And I started telling them about Bible prophecy and about the Antichrist and so on. And whether it went in or not, I don't know. They didn't say anything to me. I thought they probably thought I was nuts, actually. But they... They got, you know, I gave them the message, but um, what they do, too, is rewrite history. The people who actually grow up in Europe, the children, are not taught true history. Ashley Moat, who was a friend of mine, he was an independent member of the European Parliament, he found out that they were writing two new history books, or one new history book, for um, the nations of Europe to go into all the schools in all the languages, or one language maybe, of Europe. They said that they were going to write out from history embarrassing facts and embarrassing sort of events like the First and Second World Wars. That didn't happen. We've always been a good community loving each other forever, you know. Anyway, he made such a fuss about it and that did get in the press actually and uh, hit the headlines and he managed to get it stopped so goodness knows what they've uh, achieved since. But that's how they think, you see. Never mind the facts, let's get the great project underway. So that's what it's like in Europe now and uh, I believe we will go back in What we've got here, I think this is quite a bombshell, actually. This was a man called Guy Verhofstadt. He was a Belgian leader. And he said, there must be values underpinning this vast undertaking, the largest coming together of countries in the history of the world. Whose values, I ask, you know. He said, in short, a Europe that attaches great importance to the values which result from the French Revolution. So the values of the brave new Europe are to be those of the country which gave us the guillotine, the reign of terror, and the time of blood washing through the streets of France. I get something called the Portman Papers, a quarterly newspaper which uh, keeps watch on developments in the superstate. And it said in one of its editions, eight years before the French Revolution began in 1789 with the Declaration of the Rights of Man, the General Council of Freemasonry, uh, Wilhelmsband, convened by Adam Weishaupt, founder of the Illuminati, drew up the blueprint. Its evil spirit was epitomized in Maximilian Robespierre, whose technique anticipated Stalin's by 100 years. His master plan then was to transform France into a socialist state where absolute equality would prevail. But the population of France, 25 million, was too large to carry out his ideal. So a plan of systematic depopulation was decided on. Conceived by the Jacobins, political intellectuals who sneered at the stupid people of France with their souls of mud, the reign of terror claimed over a million victims. Inmates of prisons were slaughtered. There were mass drownings in the waters of the Loire. Heads were sort of cut off in the street and so on. So these are the values underpinning the new Europe. You shouldn't underestimate it. And it's powerful. It's got a lot of money and it's quite successful. They've actually spent too much of their money now, so they're actually uh, borrowing a lot of money. But we've got a central bank, European Central Bank. It's got the same standing as the Federal Reserve in America and the Bank of England. And they sort of correspond with each other and uh, act in unison, I suspect. So it's all in hand to bring about the new world order. And a lot of it is going to be focused 
focused on uh, Europe because uh, I think Russia will soon be taken out of the picture when it comes down to Ezekiel 38-39 invasion. Gog leads Russia and Iran and Turkey and other Islamic nations down to their doom. They're slaughtered on the uh, mountains of Israel. That's the end of Russia as a powerful nation. China's falling apart at the moment in a whole load of different ways I haven't got time to go into. One's going to be left. America, I think, is also in a bad way. I don't see America in the end times prophecies, but the European Union will certainly rule the world. And the thing is, too, the only two countries in Europe that have got atomic weapons and nuclear missiles are France and Britain, which work very well, well together. We combine almost our army and air force and navy, actually. So they act jointly. So Antichrist is going to need that sort of power if he's going to dominate the world, because Germany hasn't got much in the way of weaponry or an army, but we have, you see. And so I think that the die is cast. We're getting there and it's happening fast. And I think we're moving very rapidly towards the last of the last days. What is the message then for the American listeners that are tuned in right now? We've got folks that listen in Canada. We have folks that, because of our mobile app and our podcast now, that are listening all over the world. But specifically, what is your message to the people that are listening in America? Well, we've got a lot of information which will be of great interest. I've got a lot of talks that I record, PowerPoint presentations. Believe it or not, (laughs) I've been banned from YouTube because I'm too controversial for them. I criticize the statistics giving false results for COVID tests, you see. And I had uh, actuary results from insurance companies revealing all the number of deaths of uh, younger people who are not expected to die and people dying from heart attacks after they had what I call the clot shots, you see. So they banned us. And they said they also took the talk down from our church website, which I have no idea they could do. And the church was given a warning that if they had me on and I caused more trouble, they twice more and we were out two more strikes and we were out we were off the air and they take our website down with all the talks that all the other christian speakers over the years had given would be abandoned and destroyed so that was youtube they don't believe in free speech i can assure you so i was put on rumble and people can go on rumble and see my talks listed on our website actually and uh, i've got links to them also on our website which is the freepressonline.co.uk don't forget the definite article the free press online .co.uk and you'll have all the information that you need and the links to the talks that I've given because in Britain now we have two pagans leading the country (laughs) we've got Rishi Sunak who is a Hindu and I've got pictures of him worshipping a cow and he gave a Hindu ceremony just before he went into uh, number 10 Downing Street which we used to go into every year because we went up to the Christmas party every year for about 16 years we went in I believe it or not I took a mermaid in one year Another year I went in with Snow White and the Seven Dwarves. But Rishi Sunak worships cows, as he's a Hindu. Then Charles, of course, is multi-faith and doesn't believe in Christianity as the only faith. He used to talk to trees. He's got a Muslim garden, which he thinks is wonderful. So Charles is a multi-faith person. And he's also very influential at the uh, Klaus Schwab and uh, the people who actually run the world. I've got pictures of him with the World Economic Forum uh, leaders and so on. And Charles is very much uh, influential on that. Of course, there are a number of nations still where I think it's got about 150 million people other than the people in Great, Great Britain who acknowledge Charles as head of state. So he's going to go all around those countries pushing the green agenda. I call it. I, I call him a greener tick. It's one way that they're bringing the, with the world down, actually, and getting ready for the great crisis that's coming, a food shortage and so on. And uh, a lot of people have 
being killed with vaccines. So, yes, I mean, I've got a lot of information on all this on our website, all of it well-researched. We don't just repeat rumours. All our working lives, we were full-time. I had tonnes of work and tonnes of freelance jobs. I, I was given about six newspapers to run at one stage and uh, magazines as well. And Pat used to be my right-hand woman, sub-editing and designing as well. So we checked everything, and I worked for all the national dailies, radio and television, BBC, etc. I was a correspondent for them for years. And we never got anything wrong. We never had to uh, print a retraction. And none of the newspapers and things that we worked for ever had to uh, take down anything we said and say, it was wrong, we apologize. So we had to get it right, and we got used to getting it right. If you got one big thing wrong, if you were reporting a murder trial, you wouldn't be a correspondent the next day, I can tell you. So we actually do good research, and the things that we say you can trust as being true, and I think absolutely important in these days of delusion and deception. Deception is the hallmark of the end times. It was what our Lord told us to watch out for in Matthew 24. You know, deception, deception, deception. Watch out for deception in the church, deception in the world, and deception in the media. They do a lot of deception by blanking out things which they don't want uh, the world to know. I fight this all the time, actually. I campaign against it. But uh, one of my stories, which is now on Rumble with a PowerPoint, is the United Kingdom is now led by two pagans and is increasingly lawless, which it is the one that was removed from the web and uh, taken down until we put it back again on Rumble. So Rumble, at least, is giving us free speech at the moment. If you go on to Rumble and put in Alan Franklin uh, talks or something, you'll probably get up four or five of mine. I can give you links if you go on to the website, thefreepressonline.co.uk. You can learn much more about the European Union and its place in Bible prophecy with Alan Franklin's timely DVD entitled European Union, Final World Empire. In this eye-opening DVD, Alan Franklin teaches the European Union is a fulfillment of the ancient prophecy of Daniel that the Roman Empire will be revived in the end times right before the return of the Messiah. As prophesied in the Bible, today the European Union, along with NATO, is moving to the east and the south. Alan Franklin reports on the seemingly frantic and desperate attempt by Europe to become one political, economic, military, and ecclesiastical empire and restore the revived Roman Empire as the world's dominant power. Will the broken Roman Empire be put back together again? What will happen to every American, and especially Christians, if the nations of Europe become one empire again? Will the European Union produce the final one-world ruler? Find out when you order this powerful DVD. European Union, Final World Empire. Call 1-800-652-1144. That's 1-800-652-1144. European Union Final World Empire DVD is available today. Call 1-800-652-1144 or order online swrc.com. Another outstanding resource is the book Cults and Isms, True or False by Alan and Pat Franklin. With Cults and Isms, True or False, journalists Alan and Pat Franklin give Christians a summary of cults they are likely to encounter. They contrast false teaching with what the Bible says. Order the DVD, European Union, Final World Empire, and the book, Cults and Isms, today when you call 1-800-652-1144. That's 1-800-652-1144. 
Tomorrow we begin a brand new series with author Von Schatzer, who will share the details on World Dominion and the New World Disorder. Be sure to tune in on your favorite radio station by downloading our SWRC mobile app or by subscribing to our daily Watchman on the Wall podcast. Watchman on the Wall is a production of Southwest Radio Ministries and has been supported for over 90 years by faithful listeners like you. Please visit supportswrc.com.